Hey, 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 and welcome to another episode of the Rotoviz College Football Show. I am joined tonight by Matt Wispy. Matt, what are you drinking tonight? Sprite, because oh. it's late. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I've, I've got myself a, a Moscow Mule going here, and uh, it's quite delicious. You're, you're enjoying the night more than I am. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, just got done with soccer practice for the kiddos, and I needed something to relax. <laughs> so Get that. Yeah. Well, you had an interesting weekend. So yeah, I was telling uh, Stefan about this where I was, uh, even though this is the biggest game of Ohio State season potentially, I was at a wedding during the game. So I spent the better part of the reception sitting there on my phone. And because I didn't have great service, I couldn't stream the game. So I ended up having to just there sit there on the CBS Sports app refreshing and refreshing and refreshing yeah. to get score updates which is if anyone's ever done that it's the worst uh i'm sitting there at this table refreshing scores and everyone at the table knows i'm a huge ohio state fan everyone knows that like this game is going on i don't think anyone at the table had any idea how much of a roller coaster the night would be with my emotions because <laughs> as that game was going on in the first half I mean, they literally were just sitting there like, Matt, why are you why are you furious? I'm like, because we're down by six. And then it, it would swing back, and they were like, Matt, why are you out on the dance floor? I'm like, they just scored a touchdown. I can be happy again. So <laughs> Life is it was beautiful, this, yeah. It was this roller coaster of emotions, and uh, I think I threw off some uh, non-big sports fans in the way I reacted. <laughs> That's fantastic. I had a very different evening. I had my... Um, some family over and we were watching the game and then we had a nice fire out back and I brought the laptop out and everyone was like, what are you doing? I was like, I, I'm working. I'm watching Oregon. They're like, you're not working. I was like, no, no, I'm working. I have to do this. So I sat by the fire <laughs> drinking gin and tonics and watching Oregon Cal. It was quite a lovely evening. But yeah, I, I felt I felt bad for you. We kept texting back and forth, back and forth. They're like, this wedding is making me crazy. But I'm sure it was lovely and we hope that the uh, the couple will have a very bright and happy future it was funny the bride actually came up to me at the uh bar at one point and was like yeah i just remembered this game is during the ohio state penn state game and i'm so sorry i'm like <laughs> i i would not have expected you to change your wedding for a school you don't care about so but it was nice that she came over and we had a laugh about it yeah that's awesome so there was some big news before the weekend actually even started off and that was with the Kelly Bryant announcement of him transferring. And I was just wanting to get your thoughts on that. Chris Carter, um, on First Things First, I don't know if you ever watched that, but he kind of went off on Bryant saying how he should be staying with the team and he should put the team first and kind of saying, like, you should be getting everything you can out of Clemson because you have relationships there and you should stick it out and all this kind of stuff. And I was curious what your thoughts were, Matt, about that whole thing. Not, necess not necessarily Chris Carter's comments, but more the fact that Kelly Bryant's transferring. Um, I am sort of torn on the whole matter. Like, as much as I do kind of believe in the whole, like, team mentality of uh, trying to be a part of this national championship team and everyone's a part of this process and you got brought the scholarship to play for this school, it's hard for me to say that when I also know that kids get their – a lot of these scholarships that they're given at are while they're four year scholarships, a lot of them are really just one year scholarships that can be cut um, each season and they can lose their scholarship kind of on the drop of a dime. So for as much as I want to sit there and crush Kelly Bryant and say, Oh, he's such a non-team player. He's not wanting to do this. 
I mean, the truth is for a lot of these college kids, when you look around, the purpose of going to college to play football is you're either going there to be part of a national championship team, and in his case, he wanted to be the starter on a national championship team, or you're going there to try and build a stock to become a pro football player. And I think Kelly Bryant saw what was happening around him and basically said, they've decided that we're going to be in the Trevor Lawrence business, which I said last week I think was probably the right decision for Clemson. I, it's one of those things where I kind of can't crush him for saying, like, I'm going to go somewhere where I'm just going to be the starter because look at what I've done as a starter. Um, I do kind of – like, this rule kind of sucks. Like, it is going to – I think it's going to be a thing oh, until yeah. they change oh, yeah. it because, I mean – why wouldn't you? I, the one thing I sit here and think is crazy is how is Jalen Hurts still at Alabama? Yeah. How did he not look around and say, oh, I'm legitimately just the like – I'm the going in the second half with the second string guys now. Like, I, I don't understand how we didn't hear that announcement for transfer too and maybe it's just a difference in personality or maybe Kelly Bryant truly felt slighted in a way that Jalen Hurts hasn't. It's – it was a crazy week, and I, I think the expectations were that while I did think we'd see some transfers, I think the names that we saw transfer were not the ones I was expecting. My personal take on the on the Bryant situation was, one, I was glad that he uh, he was made aware before this game so that he would still have eligibility to transfer uh, right away and be able to play next year. But two, I don't blame the kid at all. Like, you've got one chance to play college football in your life, and he wasn't going to steal the job back from Trevor Lawrence. Even if Lawrence struggled, that was who they were going to be going with. And he wants to play football. And so he knew he wasn't going to get the shot at Clemson anymore. Now he can go somewhere else and try to play. And it kind of reminded me of what happened to um, Darren Thomas, who most people won't remember, but he was a quarterback for Oregon who his senior year gave up the reins or would have given up the reins to Marcus Mariota because he knew Mariota was going. So instead of sticking around at Oregon, he actually declared for the NFL draft and didn't get drafted. And everyone at the time was like, why is this guy going out after his junior year? He's not going to make it in the NFL. And it's just because he knew that Mariota was one of the best college quarterbacks of all time. And that's a fact. And so, <laughs> and so he just wanted out, but um, I, yeah, I don't blame, I don't blame the kid for going. It's what I would do if I wanted to play football. He, he competed, he tried to beat him out and Lawrence was what the team wanted to go with. So I didn't blame him. I thought he was getting a bit too much of a, of a hard time for everything. And yeah, I just, I just could totally see what I would do in that situation. And I'd want to play ball. I do think the one thing that the takeaway I keep getting from all the like national media who are coming down harshly on Kelly Bryant and harshly on these players transferring is that they just think that this is going to be kind of like the new epidemic. And I hate that word, but the new thing, like the way that sitting out bowl games became a big thing and like kind of putting the play, putting themselves above the team first. And I think that's the fear that they're trying to put out there. But the yeah. truth of it is, it's it's dumb. They they changed this rule for a lot of reasons, and not every rule should only be exploited by the coach. This rule has a very clear way that it can be used for the benefit of the players, right? And exactly. not just for the sake of well, let's get make sure that we don't have to sit our fresh or sit our fourth string linebacker all year just to save his eligibility as a coach. So it's kind of if you're going to make a rule that's beneficial for the coach and there's a loophole that's really beneficial for the players, absolutely they should be using it. Yeah, I totally agree. And I think like 
these kids are used so much by these universities anyway. The universities profit so much off of them that it's it's nice for the players to have a little bit of a little bit of say so in what happens in their career. So I think it's all right, and I think you're right. It'll be abused and. There'll be a lot of craziness that happens, but I mean, there's no perfect rule. And there's also no no perfect week for us yet when it comes to our picks. Uh, Jordan did much better than us this year. You and I picked pretty much, I think we picked all the games exactly the same. Jordan was a little contrarian and he ended up uh, on the right side of history. Uh, but let's go through some of these. Uh, the first one was BYU at Washington. Washington was favored by 17 and a half. And they ended up winning by 28. I, I watched a, a fair bit of this game because it was late in the day. And I love watching football by the fireplace, apparently. I was really impressed by Jake Browning, which I don't like to give him much credit, usually. <laughs> He's not my favorite player, as you know. But he was so efficient. He went 23 for 25. He was seeing the field really well. And I don't know if it's because he felt comfortable at home or if BYU's defense is just that bad. Uh, what, what did you think of, of this outcome? I mean, I think they found or they saw that the passing defense was exploitable with this BYU team. And I'm kind of in the same boat as you. I'm not really a fan of Jake Browning. And I think Washington fans at this point aren't really a fan of Jake Browning. I think they were they're kind of sad that he's still there and never declared for the NFL. Right. But it's just one of those things. Like, I think that they saw that the reason BYU was able to beat or beat Wisconsin is because Wisconsin was so predictable and just played a really really generic offense against them and Hornybrook wasn't going to beat them which is what we said at the time yeah and then with Washington I mean Washington I mean as much as we don't like Jake Browning we can sit here and say that he's capable of throwing the ball at Aaron Fuller and they'll make plays happen and then they can mix it up and use a Miles Gaskin and a Salvin Ahmed I'm gonna mispronounce that but (laughs) that he can use his running backs and set up a more versatile offense and become like just a little more dangerous. And that was kind of what I'm seeing from this game. And I I admittedly did not watch much, most of this game. It was, it was on late and I was at this point, I had uh, already begun running outside my front yard when I came back from the wedding was running outside my front yard with sparklers. Yeah. Cause celebrate. Absolutely. Both, both the, uh, the wedding, and of course, more importantly, the Buckeyes. <laughs> were, yeah, were you so, still fully clothed at this time? Or, I was. Uh, okay, I, I mean, shirt off, obviously. Yeah, of you course. can't run around with sparklers with your shirt on. So Yeah. Um, uh, no, but you mentioned uh, the running game for for Washington, and I think Ahmed kind of finding a role on this team is going to be really important for Washington down the stretch. I think with as much – I mean, they couldn't rely on handing it off to Gaskin's 30 times a game he's just not built for that um so so finding ahmed who can who was i mean more than serviceable i mean he had 80 plus yards on 10 carries he had two touchdowns i thought he looked really good so i think that's important for washington it'll help them against some of these pac-12 uh defenses that are actually pretty good which you don't get to say very often and then of course um i i gave mcclatcher a shout out a couple weeks ago and he had a nice explosive play i mean he only had the one reception, but it was really nice. And it's just fun seeing a guy who had such a promising career and then get so- sidelined by like a really bad ankle and knee injury. It's it's fun seeing him back out there. And I, uh, I hope they get to utilize him more throughout the season because he's, he's definitely a lot of fun. And I think the takeaway from our missed pick on this one is basically that we thought Washington's offense wasn't going to 
was not going to be capable of scoring against anyone. We thought that Washington's offense was fairly stagnant, and so BYU was going to be able to like kind of muck up the game and just make it kind of an ugly still Washington win, but it was going to keep it a little bit uglier in the same right. way that I thought I mean, it would I, be a lot like how the Seahawks, I don't know if you watched much NFL, Seahawks, but yeah, the, the Seahawks-Cardinals Seahawks games, I, I thought it would be really similar where the better team ends up winning, but they just run it slow. They do kind of this sloppy football, but just pound the rock and get the result and get, get out of there with the win. I thought it would be more like that, but they, yeah, they were much more dynamic, like you said. My takeaway is still that while I thought BYU had a great win against Wisconsin, BYU is not a great team. Right. Yeah, I definitely would agree with that. So let's move on to Ole Miss at LSU. LSU again favored by 13 and a half. And and we all thought LSU would win. We just thought it would be closer. We thought Ole Miss was going to be able to keep up with them. But the final score was LSU 45, Ole Miss 16. In bold letters, I have written down on my piece of paper, I am done with Ole Miss. <laughs> I, oh, keep, I keep hoping they do something. I keep thinking their offense is going to be exciting and explosive and put up big plays. And I can't believe it anymore. I'm, I honestly was getting prepared to say the exact same thing. I don't care. Like you can give me 20 points against a decent team. I'm not taking Ole Miss anymore. They're there's, I still think that's a super talented receiving core. I still think AJ Brown's a first rounder. I still think DK Metcalf's a first rounder in the NFL draft. I don't know why they suck. Like, I know their defense is terrible, clearly. When LSU, the least dynamic offense in the country, puts up 45 points on your defense, your defense sucks. But, man, Jordan Tom is a decent quarterback. Are, and he only are you complete- sure about that? I think I'm he's not, okay. I'm not sure anymore because I, be- I, I, I believe okay. you. Yeah. I don't know. I think he's an okay quarterback. I'll take that back. I, I mean, it's hard to say he's good when he has the three re- – I mean, two receivers I just mentioned and is averaging less than five yards per uh, completion. So I thought he was a good quarterback. I still sort of believe in the arm talent. I still kind of believe he's capable. But at the same time, I have no words. Maybe, they, maybe they're really just this bad. Maybe they're not the team that's going to catch somebody better than them and they really are just going to be – a team that loses to everyone and put in front of them. And I just don't even understand the game plan um, at this point. I would think with those receivers, you're in shootouts because your defense is terrible. Why aren't you trying to stretch the field more? Why aren't you actually having explosive plays and, and getting things done downfield? I mean, LSU had six or seven of these explosive, you know, 20 plus yard plays. And they're just able to, at this point, exploit, matchups with their receivers and and joe burrow doesn't mind throwing that ball down the field he doesn't mind heaving it up and seeing what happens and i think he's a good fit for the team i think his demeanor fits lsu really well he has kind of this chip on his shoulder where he's happy to be countered out and just go for it and i think the team's kind of rallied behind him and and i'm curious what you think they get lsu gets georgia and alabama at home do you think they win one of those games so actually i was listening to the uh 247 college football podcast this morning during my workout not to brag uh no so i was listening to the podcast this morning and one of the things they were talking about was how alabama looks unbeatable but they both both the two hosts said if there's one game where they're gonna drop this year it's lsu and lsu and it's just there's that's alabama's bad matchup at seemingly every single year is they're the syracuse for that for Clemson they're the Iowa State for Oklahoma 
LSU seems to be that matchup where they will find a way to just make it difficult for Alabama every single time. I think they have a better chance of beating Georgia for obvious reasons. I think we're sort of learning that Georgia looks slightly more beatable and Alabama might just be in this weird elite tier that we haven't seen in five years. I don't know if they take either game. I I think in the Georgia game, I'm much more likely to see them as a live underdog, but I don't know. Joe Burrow, he's sort of stepping up in these big moments. It's he In the game against Auburn, it looked like he was just there until the end, and he just stayed composed enough. In this game, I mean, it's hard. 18-25 for 292 with a QBR of 95.6, and then adding in over 90 rushing yards. I mean, that's a quality game for any quarterback in the country. So... Hopefully this is a sign that their offense is going to become a little fun, but I also think that, as I previously said, Ole Miss's offense, I mean defense, is the worst. Yeah, but but we have been seeing Burrow take steps forward. We like we've got these receivers making huge plays. I mean, the two guys, I mean Jefferson and Marshall, both had plays over fifty yards. So it's an exciting. It's exciting. I think they're a fun team, and they might be one of the. How how do you say this? I mean, they're ranked number five in the nation, and very few people are talking about them. Oh, they're, it's weird that they're still like, I don't want to say a sleeper, but they're still a team everyone is sleeping on, even though they're fifth. They're going to get better all year. I mean, I, it's hard to I mean, think otherwise. This team, we thought the Miami win after it happened, we just immediately dismissed Miami rather than thinking maybe LSU's that good. And yeah. then when they beat Auburn, we kind of dismissed Auburn and said, well, maybe Auburn's not that good. And now they beat Ole Miss and they kind of ran them off the field in a way that, I mean, Ole Miss has been run off the field by Alabama, but I I don't know. It's just one of those, it's becoming this pattern now where we're starting to just look for a reason to not believe in LSU because they're LSU, but maybe we need to think, oh, it's LSU. Maybe they're starting to be back to what they were. Right. And I think one of the things, and this is one of the things I love about college football is you get to see teams evolve throughout the year. A team in game one is going to look very different than, you know, halfway through the season and then at the end of the season. These teams grow. These are young, these are college-age kids, and they're they're learning, they're getting coached up, and they begin to gel. You see a lot of personnel changes that you don't see in, like, professional football. And I think like what we were talking about Washington earlier as well, I think Washington, LSU, these are teams that as the season is progressing, they're going to get stronger and stronger. And I mean, just talking about Washington, I'd love to see Washington Auburn play this upcoming week because I think the result could be really different. You know, like I think both teams have changed since the beginning of the season. But yeah, LSU is definitely one of those teams that uh, they're trending up, as are the Fighting Irish. We we picked against them again, and they showed us again that they they're maybe a lot better than we thought they were. They they beat Stanford thirty eight seventeen. I think you picked Notre Dame to win. You just didn't think they'd cover. I thought Stanford would actually upset them. I was rooting for an outright win by Stanford, <laughs> yeah. but I, I did think Notre Dame would win. So what did you think about this this game? Is is Book for real? I mean, it, yeah. <laughs> I mean, do I think he's one of the elite quarterbacks in the country? No. Do I think he's a very capable one to steady this offense in a way that Brandon Wim- Wimbush never did? Yeah. And I— that's not even arguable at this point. What he d- has done on the field since he's showed up has made this offense go from, oh, this is a weakness of the team to no, 
we're more than just a great defense. We are an offense that can put up 30 a game. We can score on anyone because, I mean, Stanford, yeah, they looked bad against Oregon as well, but uh, Stanford's been a pretty solid defense. And, it, I mean, putting up 38 on them is not anything to scoff at. It's I'm done picking against Notre Dame, too. That was my other takeaway from this week was I'm done with Ole Miss altogether, and I'm done picking against Notre Dame. I, I still want them to lose before the playoff because I just don't want them in the playoff because I don't want to see Alabama and Notre Dame. But at the same time, I, I don't see a loss on the rest of their schedule. I mean, it's uh, I thought this was going to be the closest thing, the, like the toughest game on paper anyway. they I mean, it was a lot closer than that massive scoreline would lead you to believe. I mean, going into the fourth quarter, it was a seven-point game. But, I mean, they just pulled away at the end. And, I mean, they had 272 rushing yards. Now, Stanford gave up a ton of yards last week on the ground, too, against Oregon. But they really did improve a lot in the second half. And they actually looked really like a capable defense in the second half of that game. Um, so, for Notre Dame to just go out there and kind of do whatever they wanted to. I thought I thought Book looked fantastic. I, I was trying to think of a good comp for him, for like an NFL player. Because he... He doesn't look like your prototypical quarterback. He doesn't play like your prototypical quarterback. But he he's very talented. And it'll be interesting to see how he continues. And I'm almost a little surprised that we didn't see him from the get-go. Uh, why they didn't just start with him. I mean, I would have thought the coaches would have seen this dynamic player in practice. Because the team is so much better with him than they were with Wimbush. I mean, it's it's night and day. It's He, he really is... Um, Quite impressive so far. Brian Kelly really loves in-season quarterback changes. <laughs> yeah, he just wanted to save it. Well, he's been doing it at like it. This is like his fourth one since he started yeah, at Notre Dame. That he, yeah, I I still do not understand that man. Now, the one game uh, we both picked correctly, all three of us did, was to me this was the most obvious game on the slate. It was West Virginia at Texas Tech. West Virginia was favored by three and a half. They ended up winning by 8 42 34 but again this game wasn't all that close west virginia was destroying them at the half they were up 35 10 they were impressive from the opening kick they were in control did you did you walk away with kind of the same idea about west virginia i mean this game wasn't even like i thought this game was going to be a sweat because of the fact that texas tech just could score once bowman went down for tech it was kind of gone their their hopes of truly winning i felt like went out the door but i mean west virginia's offense is really good (laughs) and their defense is really good so they're they're kind of crazy now because you're talking about i mean we talked about lsu as a sleeper west virginia is probably going to be in contention with oklahoma at the end of the year for the big 12 are we confident that oklahoma is going to go out there and beat west virginia oh no because we've all We've all penciled Oklahoma in as that like next team that's going to be right there in consideration for the playoff, but I don't know if they get by West Virginia, and no one's discussing them as a legit playoff contender. They should, because their offense is as good as anyone in the country. I, even though he didn't really have a great game, like David Sills is a great wide receiver, and he opens up a ton for them, and I'm now at the point where... Like, if you'd have told me at the beginning of the year that Will Greer was going to get drafted in the first round next year, I would have laughed in your face because I didn't even think he was I, – I didn't even think that was in the realm of possibility. I thought he was a day three pick. 
His adjusted yards per attempt this season is 12.4. That is Baker Mayfield last year range. He is just putting on one of these clinical seasons. And he's already, I mean, and he's six foot two, which is something Baker Mayfield didn't have going for him. If he keeps up this level of efficiency all year, Will Greer will be talked about in the same sentence as Justin Herbert. Yeah, that's crazy. Which hurts your feelings. No, no, no. And I I don't disagree with you at all. It's just crazy to think how far he's come. I mean, everyone had him. Everyone knew he was going to put up big numbers, but I don't think anyone expected him to be doing this. And so I I don't disagree with you at all. I've been really impressed with him. I think Marcus Sims, I mean, this is now three games with over 100 yards receiving. I thought it was really important that they were able to to run the football. I mean, teams know that Greer's going to beat them throwing the ball, so they end up only putting a few men in the box. And then Kennedy McCoy was able to really exploit that. And he, I mean, he only rushed the ball 11 times, but he, he was, he was a factor in the game. And I think that element to this offense could make them pretty scary. And yeah, I think Oklahoma hasn't been impressing me as much ever since their running back Anderson got injured. And I mean, Kyler Murray's unreal, but I can't, I can't wait for that to happen. I think that's going to be one of the most incredible games this season. If, if we get to uh, see that, that game with everything on the line, it'll be a lot of fun. So I was just pulling up their schedule, and I looked at the fact. I mean, they end the year on November 23rd against Oklahoma at home. It That game conceivably could be two undefeated teams against each other. If we're seeing that game, undefeated versus undefeated, you might then get the pleasure of, after that, immediately getting a rematch of these two teams in the Big 12 championship game. How insane is that? Because, I mean, these two teams really might have a two-game series to see who contends for the playoff. And I mean, right now, it, uh, Bill Conley's S&P Plus has, says he'd have Oklahoma as a small favorite, but not by much, by only three points. So... That game, I think, as the season progresses, they're going to be one of the like fastest rising teams up people's boards. Yeah, and I think they're going to surprise some people because the first week that playoff gets announced, don't be surprised if they're sitting there at like eight. Right, and as we see these SEC teams beat up on each other and start handing each other some losses, they're just going to continue to, and it's going to be hard to make a good argument why they, sh- why if, if they're still undefeated, why they shouldn't be ranked ahead of all these one loss SEC team. So yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Now, before we talk about the Penn State Ohio State game, I just want to talk to you guys a little bit about my bookie. Now, sure, I know watching football is tons of fun, but it's even more entertaining when you have some action on the games. You've heard me talking about my bookie for weeks now, and some of you guys are still on the sidelines. So whether you're an expert or a rookie, you really all should be betting with my bookie. If you're the kind of guy that likes to bet a little and win a lot, like playing the numbers on roulette, you can create a big parlay. Pick three teams to win, and if you hit all three, you'll turn $100 into 600 bucks. And it's not just football. You can bet all the major sports. Take MMA this weekend, for example. Conor McGregor steps into the octagon this Saturday for his first UFC fight in two years. You can bet on things like whether he'll win straight up or whether Khabib will deliver a first-round knockout. I recommend my bookie because I really trust these guys. This is the one bet I know you'll be happy with all season long. MyBookie has been in the business for years, they've got great online reviews, and their mobile site is super easy to use. If you're on the sidelines, now is the time to get in the game. MyBookie will still match your first deposit dollar for dollar, but you have to join now, because that offer won't last forever. Log on to MyBookie right now and double your money using the promo code 
Rotoviz and get your first deposit matched 100%. That's promo code Rotoviz. You play, you win, you get paid. Jordan didn't make the call because he didn't want to have to have this conversation. Now, he was also the only one who picked this game, right? But the heartbreak that he must have been feeling at the end of this game <laughs> to see it just slip away. It also didn't help that we were on a group text talking back and forth about how I was upset about this wedding. I was upset about being at this wedding. And I'm just sitting there with like this pile of like this building heartbreak of me sitting there not even getting to watch my team lose. And then all of a sudden it ends with like pure joy for me and him just sending back the text. That yeah. was brutal. So, yeah, and it was. Uh, it was it was brutal. I mean, it was it was a super interesting game to watch. It wasn't until the fourth quarter that I felt that the that the team started getting into a real rhythm with playing the type of football they wanted to play. I felt like it took a long time for the coaches to make the proper adjustments. And and I was surprised honestly to see to see the game kind of play out the way it did. Uh you had Penn State relying on sorely just running the football all over the place and Ohio State was trying to win the game with these little screen passes and bubble screens and getting the running backs involved in in the passing game and it was just it just felt strange to me for some reason I I wrote this and and I don't know if if you'll if you'll agree with this or not but I didn't feel like Haskins won this game for them I really felt it was Hill it was Benjamin it was their their running back duo. Oh, you're leaving out one was, big name it, too. Mac Mac attack. No, no, no. I I wasn't even going to say that. I was going <laughs> to say, and it was Chase Young on the defensive line. Who? Sure. Yeah. I mean, everything. As much as I'll complain about certain things, he got held a lot. He still made that like backfield pretty much on any of the third down plays where we actually got them off the field. It's because Chase Young was in the backfield breaking up the play. But yeah, I mean, I have a lot of takes, so I'll let you wrap up if you have any other takes before I go on like a mini rant. No, no, uh, rant away. So I, I, I did end up going back and watching this game. It was it was really weird. I watched a recorded uh, live sporting event, which is the weirdest thing in the world to do, but I had to do it. Um, the first half was really not impressive by either team. And for as much as Penn State very clearly dominated the first half, the fact that they had two drives go down, or I'm sorry, three drives go down to the red zone, came away with six total points. Um, The the long touchdown, the 93-yard touchdown, I'd say 95% of the time the safety makes the – takes the right angle and he i mean it's like a 15 yard play most of the time it was just i've gone back and watched the replay of it a few times and you can just see the safety kind of goes straight at him thinking he's faster than him and then kind of having an oh crap moment and realizing he's going to be just chasing him down the rest of the length of the field ohio state got really lucky with the defensive play and i kind of felt like that's what they needed they needed a defensive spark because Again, like I was saying, for as good as Penn State was, they got there was a stretch in the game where they like they had three drives that were all ended up in Ohio State territory where I think they totaled like 30 yards of offense on them. So I was expecting the defense was going to do something to make a play and when they got that fumble, it set up the JK Dobbins reception for a touchdown. It was one of those moments where you just kind of felt like okay, this is where Ohio State kind of does what they did. It kind of reminded me of 
the playoff in 2014 against Alabama, the Sugar Bowl, where at the end of the half, it felt like, okay, we got the play we needed to get back in this game. And then you're right. Dwayne Haskins didn't win. He didn't really look that good for them. I mean, I I was curious. What did you think? I mean, I know you love Haskins, but what did you think of his performance? His first half performance, number one, these uh, these receivers bother me sometimes, but he had a ton of drops at the in the first like quarter and a half. His stat line looked atrocious, and I was sitting there again, as you know, during the wedding. I'm sitting there like refreshing, 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 wondering how is a the most accurate quarterback in the country have a 30 percent completion percentage right now? Why is he five of 15? And I went back and going back and watching, I saw he had like five really really bad drops and they were not all Austin Mack a lot some of them were Austin Mack but not all of them and so he had a bunch of bad drops and then the interception he threw was obviously the receiver got his hands on it tipped it straight to a defender yeah and then but then the one nice thing about Haskins and the thing that all Ohio State quarterbacks have had since Urban Meyer have been there is they have this he's recruiting guys that have this poise and he never really looked like the moment was going to be too big for him to overcome in the end. While I do felt like Trace McSorley looked like the most poised quarterback on the field, Haskins just had it, – It did. I, I wasn't worried when he had the ball in his hands and had to drive 90 yards down the field because I knew that he was capable. And the one thing I, I did sort of get frustrated is that he commit – Urban Meyer commits to the run a lot, but he sometimes commits in the wrong way. And it was when he started using the little bubble screens specifically to Dobbins or the just little like the slipping out of the backfield and just Dobbins getting the ball in space. That was when I felt like Dobbins was most effective, whereas Weber, I think Weber's best used at the beginning of games to just wear out the defense because he's more of that power back style. And I felt like he misused him in that way. I have to officially stop hating. I no longer hate K.J. Hill. I've hated him for so many years because he I didn't feel like he deserved to be on the field. But after what he did on that final drive, I officially oh, he no won long, the game. I no longer hate KJ Hill. I'm I'm officially giving up all of my hatred of him because he did everything needed to get them down the field and it was great. It was a great game. I think when we look back on it, we're all gonna remember it was a great game. And that those are my Ohio State thoughts. Penn State wise, I mean they won with like they were winning the game with like sort of backyard football and what you were saying it was trace mcsorley would be set it would be a design pass trace mcsorley would see that the coverage was good enough and there was no linebacker spying him and he would run and i i that was one of those ones where i kept getting these updates trace mcsorley oh he just ran for 50 yards oh trace mcsorley (laughs) he just ran for 30 more yards and i'm just sitting there screaming at my phone like spy him leave a linebacker in and spy him and when they did in the fourth quarter and they finally left the spy he couldn't do anything, and the and their offense went a little stagnant. And then that fourth down call, I still think James Franklin is a great coach, but I think that there's there's a lot of great recruiters out there. There's a lot of great X's and O's coach. I think there's like three coaches that are great at both. He's not great at both yet. I think he can get there one day, but the fact that you're running a play where the first read is to hand the ball off instead of the first read being – a pass where McSorley can be creative. That is just, it's terrible because 
all the game, the only thing that has been consistent is Trace McSorley getting 7 to 10 yards on any run that he wanted. Sorry to Penn State. You deserve to win. You were the better team all night. You made some terrible play calls. You made some really bad calls in this game. James Franklin's going to have to do be a little bit uh, introspective and realize that there have to be some changes if he wants to make that jump from what he says from being a great team to being elite, which is what he said after the game. Right, exactly. And I think you're you're spot on. I think he I, I like him as a coach. I think he's good for college football. I think he's good for Penn State. And I think a lot of a lot of kids like him as a coach, but I do think he struggles with play calling and in in game management. I mean, like you said, of all the of all the play calls, handing the ball off there, even when you just look at what's happened all night, sure, maybe you catch them by surprise, but it hadn't really been working all night. And to risk it in that position, it just made no sense to me when you've got McSorley playing out of his mind. <laughs> Let him win it or lose it for you. Not not something else. It, it was it, it made me feel like kind of sick to my stomach. It just is just what are you doing? Like. Oh, it just was frustrating, and I just felt sick for Jordan. Like I just couldn't imagine if that was my team, how devastated I would be. I I text my brother-in-law, who's a diehard Penn State fan. I text him right afterwards and just said, "I'm sorry, you guys deserved it." Well, that was nice of you. Thoughtful. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, let's move on to some of the some of the games that we didn't pick, but were of interest. Michigan Northwestern. <laughs> Michigan pulls out the win. But Kinda. they were, yeah, but 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 only on paper. So I I, I mean I neither Stefan or I got to watch this game, it, but it was a it was a weirdly contested game that was really close and really low scoring all game. And I think we've now officially gotten to the point where, and we've said this with Ole Miss, we've said this with uh, LSU, but we need to kind of reassess our our feelings about uh, Shea Patterson with Michigan because. He might be a former five-star quarterback. He might have been the guy that tore it up at Ole Miss, but it's not clicking for them. And the only reason that they're not going to be a play, or the only way they become a playoff team this year is if he he a light turns on because of something, and he becomes the quarterback that he was supposed to be. Right now, their defense. Looks net. really good. They continue to look really good. I mean, they only gave up 28 yards on the ground. Uh, I think they barely gave up over 200 on the day total. I was I was really impressed with their defense. But yeah, I think if they're going to make a run at any sort of playoff push, Patterson's got to turn into a completely new player because he's just not really getting it done right now at the level they need him to. Yeah, and I mean, it'll be a tough game for them coming to Columbus for the end of season matchup. If I were at home, I'd, I, I'd maybe give them a little more chance, but I think it'll be a tough game. But I, I just think if they don't have the quarterback situation figured out by then, they're going to be in a lot of trouble. Speaking of getting into a lot of trouble, Clemson had to come back and <laughs> beat Syracuse. They were down for a long time. I kept texting you, oh, Clemson's going to do it. Clemson's going to do it. But for a second there, um, when, when Syracuse got their last score, I was like, ooh, maybe maybe I've got too much faith in this Clemson team, and maybe they're going to get upset at home. Did, were you having, like, this weird deja vu moment with this game? Because I, 
I, when I turned on the game, I had no expectation that they were going to even be close. And then all of a sudden, I see them ahead, and I'm just sitting there look, thinking to myself, no, this can't be right. Something's wrong here. Like, the score must be wrong. And then you hear that Trevor Lawrence is out, and now Clemson's playing with their third-string guy. And, I, I mean, I, I, was, I was truly baffled watching this but again i think it's the same way iowa state hangs with oklahoma sometimes these elite teams there's teams that are a bad matchup and dino babers just he's not afraid to go to clemson even with a mediocre team and i don't necessarily think this syracuse team is mediocre but i mean they went four and eight last year after beating clemson he's not afraid with no matter what the talent is on his team and eric dungey I mean, he showed enough poison there to not give away the game. Right. Credit to them for hanging in there. So. Yeah, and I thought. I mean, I know we've neither one of us is a huge Hunter Renfro fan, but he no. made this incredible circus catch um, to really bail out Chase Bryce in the fourth quarter and give them a chance to keep the drive alive and end up going down and scoring. I thought he was an important part of this game. Which again, not always a huge fan of his, but I thought he played really well. And then of course Etienne looks fantastic. It. And yeah, Clemson big picture. I think it's good news that Trevor Lawrence is supposed to be back at practice. Uh, maybe he was. I didn't. I know he. They were saying he might be able to be at practice today. I didn't see if he he got in there. But I think they're hopeful that he doesn't miss time. In which case, great. I think if Chase Bryce has to quarterback this team for a few weeks it could be it could be some problems for Clemson I did think it was you could see his demeanor change over the course of the game Bryce when he first went out in the game it definitely seemed like he was a little shook that he because he wasn't expecting to be there he'd been third string guy he'd been hearing from the start of the season oh it's Trevor Lawrence eventually, and it's Kelly Bryant's team now. And, I mean, you think even coming into the year, he was behind Hunter Johnson in the offseason. So he was the fourth-string guy until Hunter Johnson left. So I, I think he for came into the season expecting that he was going to see the field only when they were up by 40. So going into a game that's hotly contested, they're losing. Credit yeah. to him for eventually getting it figured out because – Again, he didn't lose them the game. Now, you could argue that he actually made a couple of plays down the stretch and then also handing the ball to Etienne. So. Yes, I think that was the most important. I mean, he, he ended the game with over 200 yards and three touchdowns, and I expect uh, I expect that to be their formula if uh, if they're forced to go with Bryce again in the future. Uh, but and I, I think hopefully for their sake they don't have to. I think it's it'd be best if they if they get their get to go out with their best foot forward. I do think it's a good thing for them to kind of get tested a little bit. And I think you want these growing pains for Trevor Lawrence against Syracuse. You don't want them against Alabama because the reason you made the move from Trevor Lawrence from Kelly Bryan is you didn't want to beat Texas A and M by a touchdown. You want to be eventually running that team out off the field and Trevor Lawrence still is the guy that gives you the most capability of being taking that jump from being very good to being great and if they want any chance of beating Alabama their offense needs to be clicking so I think it's good for them to get some of these growing pains and hopefully they get tested a couple of times more this year and hopefully we get eventually get to see Trevor Lawrence become the quarterback we all know he can be Oregon yeah, Oregon Cal. I was really curious to watch 
Oregon this week. Obviously, I love them. But more importantly, I wanted to see how they'd bounce back after that brutal loss to Stanford. And I'll be honest, I was was concerned that they were going to come out and just have a lot of kind of hangover issues after that devastating defeat and and not put their best foot forward but they came out strong they looked so good out out the gates herbert is just amazing i i just can't see very many flaws in his game and he and dylan mitchell are just a beautiful thing to watch mitchell's having an incredible season i don't know i do not know how to predict his future or how to evaluate him when it comes to an as as an NFL talent but he gets open he catches the football he can he moves well after the catch I think he could be a really really good slot receiver in the NFL but I also could just be viewing them with my uh with my Oregon Ducks love and not seeing reality I mean from my pro the stuff that I look at for a prospect, he does look pretty interesting. His yardage is pretty solid. 442 yards is at 18th best in the country right now, um, averaging over 16 yards per um, reception. It's it's not quite to the point where he'd be considered a field stretcher, but he's right in that realm. Uh, he's not really scoring touchdowns at the rate you'd hope because he's only got 13% share of the team's total. But he, the big thing that stands out he, to me is he has been brought down at like the two yard line about two or three times this year. So he was close. We'll on a see. Couple of it'll them. bounce. Yeah. Maybe it'll maybe it'll start to come back up. But the one nice thing that I'm seeing on his is he does have a 31 percent market share of the team's yards this year um, through the air. So I, I mean, he's got he's not small. He's I think it's a he's listed at six two one eighty nine. You'd like to see him eventually get near that like two hundred pound mark, but you're not really worried about him being small he'd probably benefit from one more year in school. I mean, he'll be an interesting prospect when it it's eventually his time, <laughs> but that was a slight digression. Uh, I, what's kind of funny is th- this was a game where all the sharp money was on Cal betting on this game. So I think in the same way that you were worried about Oregon coming out and laying an egg after such a letdown moment, sharp betters were worried about the same thing and that they yeah, saw exactly. Cal is this good team at home, which from what I understand, Cal's home field advantage is not an advantage because their fans don't care. I, I kind of had that same pit of my stomach feeling where they were going to come out and lay an egg. So I don't know. I, I'm impressed. I think Oregon's going to be a good team. I, I don't. Nec- it's going to be hard for them to come back in the Pac-12 just because they need kind of. They a need perfect- a lot of help. Yeah, they need but- a lot of help. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they went out there and, and beat Washington. I don't think that's crazy to say. I think we saw they were capable of beating anyone, but I don't know. I, I I hope they continue to make a run. I think they could have been one of those dark horse teams to win the Pac-12. I just think it'll be difficult now for them to get back in it. One of the things I really enjoyed about this game was seeing their freshman running back, running backs, CJ Verdell and Travis Dye have such such impressive electric performances. Oregon rushed for 260 yards and and these guys look good. And Dye's older brother, we all know, plays defense, Troy Dye, the linebacker for Oregon. So it was just fun seeing him come out and perform. And I think I think Dye might overtake Verdell in this offense. I think Verdell with that huge fumble at the end of the Stanford game kind of got himself in some hot water. And it'll be interesting to see what happens going forward. The other big takeaway for me from this game was 
like I totally agree with you. Like Cal is a good team, and Oregon was able to really dominate. I thought on both sides of the football, Amadi, the safety for Oregon, just had an incredible game. I don't know if you saw the highlights, but his his first interception was just unreal. He was covering uh, the receiver was running like a go pattern. The ball was just kind of thrown up for grabs, and you usually expect the receiver to out jump and out position the the, the DB. But Amadi just tracks this ball down and goes up, gets it at the highest point, and he looked like the receiver on the route. He, it was just unbelievable. He he was impressive. And Troy Dye was all over the field again. Jalen Jelks is a beast. I like this defense. I think they're really, really underrated. And it'll be fun to see what happens. I can't wait for that Washington game. It's gonna be it's gonna be nuts. I'll probably pick against Oregon just so that, you know, either I'm happy with a win or I'm happy with a win. <laughs> but but I think Oregon will be able to to play with them. And yeah, I hope some things break right because I think this is another one of those teams that they're gonna continue to get better as the season rolls on. I, I like that they're getting Washington at home off a of bye. So that'll be it'll be a nice game for them, I would say. I would probably pick Washington to win on the field, but if they get a favorable number, if they get a number close to double digits at home, Iowa will probably be all over Oregon again. Yeah, I think I think the line because they are at home will be. I think the line will probably be about four and a half. Uh, I think it'll be pretty close, uh, but it'll be yeah, it'll be an interesting game. Um, now before we look into next week's games, I know a lot of our listeners play fantasy football. I know Matt and I do, and I really want to recommend Fantasy Math. They do it all. They help you with the difficult, who-should-I-start decisions that you need to make every single week. You need to choose between player X or player Y. Put your matchup into Fantasy Math and let them help you out with those big calls. A player's variability, whether you're the favorite or not, it correlates across your matchup, and Fantasy Math takes it all into account to help you make the right lineup call. It's matchup specific, and right now, Rotoviz listeners can get a season membership for just twenty dollars by using the link rotoviz.fantasymath.com. Don't miss out. That's rotoviz.fantasymath.com. I was able to use this, and I was recommend. It was recommended to me to put in Corey Davis this week, who I was really hesitant to do, and I was very glad that I did. Use Fantasy Math; they will help you win. All right, let's look forward to next week. Boston College at NC State. NC State favored by four. Who you picking, Matt? I was all prepared to come in here and just take Boston College on the road and was completely ready to say that I, even though I think they were going to lose on the field, that I, I thought they were going to keep it close. But now I'm looking through a... Road of Worlds blurbs, and they're not committal that A.J. Dillon's going to be on the field. So I'm going to play a little scared there, and I'm going to take NC State and give the four and a half points. Why isn't A.J. Dillon? Well, he left the game with an ankle thing last game. so And they think it could keep him out? For... They're non-committal. Doesn't that change everything? Yep. <laughs> so I actually came into this really – so I, I kind of have always had a soft – spot for NC State. It was one of the one of the first teams I ever started watching was NC State. One of my dad's friends who was super into college football was a was a Wolfpack guy and so he'd record all the games and and I'd end up watching them. And so I kind of just 
fell in love with him as a, as a young kid. And so they always kind of are one of these teams that I want to pick. And so I was like, oh, let me find a way to pick NC State. I like Ryan Finley. He's having a good season. You know, he's got great touchdown interception ratio. He, he looks good. He's efficient, blah, 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 blah. But the more I thought about it, I just kept thinking about A.J. Dillon just destroying this team. And, and I came across this thing. Um, so under, K, under coach Dave Doran, the Wolfpack are 0-4 both straight up and against the spread when they face a team that averages at least 230 rushing yards per game. And they were destroyed in all of those games. And so I just wonder the style that Boston College likes to go with, running the football, I think could really hurt NC State. But if A.J. Dillon is not out there, that could change things. So I guess I'm a hold for now, but I'd, if, if A.J. Dillon's out there, I'm definitely picking Boston College, and I might pick them anyway straight up. I can't blame you. I just I just don't know what to think of NC State. They haven't really faced anyone tough yet. It'll be Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. It would have been fun. They were supposed to play West Virginia, and that game got canceled. That would have been a fun one to see kind of what where NC State is actually at. And we'd have a better idea of who we're dealing with. 100%. So LSU is on on the road at Florida. The spread is yeah, three and a half points. Florida sort of impressed me last week. I'm I'm I am a believer in Dan Mullen as a coach. I I thought it would take a little bit of time cuz their offense still isn't that good. They're still really relying on their defense slowing teams down. And I'm sitting here looking at Bill Conley's S&P Plus, and right now he has them as an outright favorite by 1.8 points. And I so badly want to just follow his pick right here. But at the same time, I just said I need to quit uh, doubting LSU. And my lesson so far uh, with my terribleness has been I need to pick more favorites. (laughs) So I'm going to take the favorite again, and I'm going to take LSU and give three and a half points based purely on I'm not betting against this team. Right. And we talked about LSU earlier and how they might be one of the most underrated top 10 teams. They're sitting there at five and people aren't talking about them. I think they've looked good. They've beaten Miami. They've beaten Auburn. They just crushed Ole Miss. I'm taking LSU. I think it's going to be, um, I think it's going to be a hard fought, hard fought game. I think it's going to be close going into the fourth quarter, but I think LSU pulls away late, wins it by a touchdown. Another team that we have been betting against, and maybe we shouldn't, Notre Dame at Virginia Tech. Notre Dame is favored to win. It's a five-point spread. The line is moving fast. It started at three. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it moves to seven and a half, to be honest with you. But what do you think here? Yeah, no final number will really shock me on this one based on how Notre Dame's looked over the past couple of weeks. Um, Virginia Tech didn't – they beat a really – He's still injured Daniel Jones for Duke, and they beat him. I don't think this Virginia Tech team is very good, and particularly without uh, Jackson at quarterback. I said I'm not going against Notre Dame anymore. I'm going to give five more points. So where would the line have to go for you to not take Notre Dame? Oh, this is where an honesty moment hits. Uh, 13 and a half. Oh, wow. Wow. I was going to say eight. (laughs) I, I think there's a real chance they... I don't know how Virginia Tech is going to score, and I don't. We've I think we have been now shown that Notre Dame can score thirty points on anyone. So yeah. if Virginia Tech can't get to twenty, I'm not that worried about them. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how um, the injury to left guard Alex Bars what that means for this offensive line for Notre Dame. 
Um, I still think that they'll be able to to move the football. I still think they'll be able to put up points. Yeah, I'm I'm picking Notre Dame as well. Up until eight points, I'll feel comfortable taking Notre Dame. After that, I'll get a little bit skittish. Another interesting game, uh, Arizona State at Colorado. Lines two and a half in favor of Colorado. I'm picking Colorado, but the only reason is because they're at home. I think if this game was at Arizona State, I would pick Arizona State within, you know, three. I think the home team, no matter who it would be, is going to end up winning by three points. It just has that feel to it. Both teams have have looked really good at moments. I think Steven Montez is a really, really good quarterback. He's got a 75% completion rate on the year. He's only thrown nine touchdowns, but he looks good. He's been really involved in kind of helping this team progress. And Chenault is just such an incredible receiver. We might see two of the top 10 wide receivers in college football in this game, Chenault and Harry for Arizona State. It's going to be fun. I'm really excited. This is going to be the first real test for Colorado since that Nebraska game. That Nebraska game, I mean, that Nebraska team is very different than the one that's been out there without Adrian Martinez. But if you look at the stats for for Arizona State and Colorado on the year, it's very similar. They're both putting up, you know, around 450 yards. They're both giving up about 350 yards. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a fun game. I think it's going to be close. And I I think the Buffaloes pull it out at the end. Yeah, after that game, I I said I sort of jokingly said I thought they could have a real shot in the Pac-12, and I I ha- I I don't even think in that moment I thought that they were a real threat. But at the same time, they're I mean they're four and zero entering the game. They just even though we don't think this UCLA team is very good, they they kind of manhandled them. The win over Colorado State was a manhandling, and they only let up 13 points against a team a Colorado State offense that if nothing else. It's going to throw the ball enough times that they're going to score more than 13 points on a lot of teams. I'm really torn on this one because Arizona State hasn't really been like crushed yet. They've been close in every one of their losses. But I'm with you. I think at only two and a half points, I'm going to take Colorado. And I'm really hoping we start disagreeing at some point. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Um, I like your what you talk about, like just... Colorado, I think if they were in the Pac-12 North, there'd be no shot. But them being in the South with USC, Arizona, Arizona State, I mean, they don't have to win that many games probably to to win the South because USC is not near as good as we were maybe hoping they would be. And Arizona, unfortunately, isn't either. So, yeah, I definitely think Colorado could could find some separation as the season goes on if they can pull this one out. Let's Let's move on to the next one. Kentucky at Texas A&M. Kentucky has been a fun team. They're given five and a half points. Is that enough for you to want to take them, or are you going to roll Texas A&M here? Well, so I know I joke every week about uh, Kentucky's 11 fans that they have. It's growing. And I, just, I, need, I need to make one, one, one amendment to that because they now have 12 fans because I'm now a fan of this <laughs> Kentucky team. Is it all because uh, of Benny Snell? It's 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 Benny Snell. It's being able to say I like a player by the name of Josh Allen, which of course not the quarterback. Um, so it, it's the fact that this defense seems to put these team put all these teams into a bubble, and they say, oh well, you you've been uh, pretty decent on offense up until this point. Nope, you're going to look terrible. Oh, Jake Bentley used to be a quarterback that people thought was eventually going to be in the first round. Nope, you're terrible. Oh, same thing, Nick Fitzgerald, you're terrible. Kelly Mon- Kellen Mond's a good quarterback, 
I don't necessarily think he's better than Nick Fitzgerald. I don't necessarily think he's significantly more talented than Jake Bentley. He's better than whoever Florida has. But at the same time, even though Texas A&M has been hanging around with a lot of these teams and winning games they're supposed to win, I maybe we need to just recalibrate what can we think about Kentucky because five and a half points is a lot of points. I I would probably have this game at like two. And at two, I'd feel a lot less comfortable with it. But I'm taking Kentucky. Give me those points. Kentucky plus five and a half. All right. I like it. I will say I think Kentucky and Mississippi State are the opposite of what I, I thought Kentucky would be what Mississippi State is. And I thought Mississippi State would be what Kentucky is. Like they've just kind of switched for me. And I like Terry Wilson for Kentucky. He's an Oregon transfer. So definitely a fan of his. He hasn't had to do much throwing the football, obviously. And I'm curious what will take place if that day arrives. Texas A&M is interesting to me. They've been able, they, they've looked really, really good in their wins. And they, they even have looked good in, in a few of their losses. They looked good against Alabama. Yeah, they, look, they looked good against Alabama. Kellen Mond had the uh, game of his life. I think they're going to be able to score. Now, this is what everyone thinks. I think they'll be able to score on Kentucky. Kentucky likes to get you into this weird game where they kind of throw you off your game plan. I think Texas A&M will be able to stick with theirs. I think it's going to be a close game. Five and a half is an awful lot. If it weren't at Kyle Field, I think I would take Kentucky. But being at home, I will take the Aggies. I don't love it. I hope I'm wrong because I think this Kentucky team is a lot of fun, but I'm going Texas A&M. We disagree. That means we're guaranteed at least one correct pick this week. (laughs) Yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe two. Oklahoma favored by seven and a half at Texas. What do you think about this one? I mean, at Texas, Texas has looked pretty good. I still don't. I'm not giving them any credit for USC. I don't think USC is good. Playing against Kansas State, I was kind of worried for this, the Kansas State game for Texas going in because Kansas State's similar to Iowa State in the sense of they like to dirty up a game and just make it, make it ugly for them, get you off the or keep you off the field and not really let you do what you want to do. And they were able to pull out a win. And even though you can look back at that and say it's not really an impressive win. They got out of a tough situation. They got out of Manhattan with a with a win. So and they were up nine. They were up nineteen nothing. You know. Yeah. Going into the third quarter, I mean they they weren't. It didn't look nervous. They didn't look nervous, and I wasn't concerned that they were going to lose the game. Now, once it got to about ten minutes left in the fourth quarter, and it was nineteen fourteen, I started wondering. But for the most part, I thought Texas looked fairly comfortable. They wanted to get on the bus. But with all that being said and all the nice things I will say about Texas and how they have kind of bounced back from a pretty terrible start to the year, I'm taking Oklahoma. I'm giving seven and a half points because Kyler Murray can score on anyone, and that team is going to score. And if as long as Texas doesn't try and play an Army style where they're going to hold the ball for 80% of the game, Texas is going to have to score 30 in this game. I don't think they're scoring 30 against Oklahoma. Seven and a half points, I'll give them. No, I like it. Do you think Kyler Murray is an elite quarterback, or do you think he's in an elite system with Lincoln Riley? Yes. All right, that's fair. <laughs> it I, can be both. I, think, I, I mean, I think that I, whether or not he's an elite quarterback, I don't know. I think that he is at minimum an elite athlete in the things that he can do by comparison to anybody else in the country. 
he's kind of in that same mold of Trace McSorley where, yes, he can make all the throws on the field, but at the same time, if you for a second only focus on the throws he's making down the field, he'll bust off an 8- to 10-yard run every time you give him the chance. He's going to be a mess for any defensive coordinator because you will have to leave a spy in there on him all game long, and that just takes one person out of coverage and gives him one more chance to make a play. So Kyler Murray is going to be difficult for anyone. I'm not – if they have to play – if they bench him for any reason and it's Austin Kendall, again, dear Lord, they're a lot worse. But if Kyler Murray's out there, give me the points. I I like them. I think they'll end up taking it by about 10. One of the – Keys to Oklahoma's season, I think, was this unleashing Kennedy Brooks. He's a four-star. He was a four-star prospect coming out of high school last year uh, in Texas. And he had 158 and three touchdowns on the year. But so, but last week against Baylor, he had 107 and two. So he really got going this week. And I think with Anderson's injury and Sermon not really getting it done, I think Brooks is going to be a key to their offense going forward because they want to be able to run the football with someone other than Kyler Murray. I think he's going to see more and more work as the year goes on. But all that being said, we're disagreeing again. I'm taking get it. I'm get, I'm taking Texas. I don't think they'll win. I think OU will will still get the victory, but I think it's going to be a nasty game. I think it's going to be close. This game always is always has unexpected results. It always seems to go the wrong way, the way you don't expect it to. And I think Oklahoma is going to be super excited to get out of there with a really, really hard-fought, close victory. And it's gonna. I, I'm really excited for this game. Of all of all the games this next week, this is the one I'm looking forward to the most. This is the game where Grant Calcaterra breaks out. Uh, he's going to have two touchdowns in this game. Calling call that shot right now. I like Grant it. Grant Calcaterra, tight end. Yeah, the receiving core for OU really is special. Marquise Brown is awesome. You and I have talked about CeeDee Lamb numerous times, just how impressive. I mean, the dude just makes acrobatic catch after acrobatic catch. He is fun to watch. Yeah, I like this receiving core. I think they're going to be, be a handful for Texas, but I'm still picking Texas. <laughs> I, I like it. It's courage. Yeah. It'll be fun. I'm really excited for the week. you have any uh, fun plans for watching games this weekend? Or are you going to another wedding? Oh, my gosh. I'm going to another wedding. No, you're not. I am. Oh, my goodness. Actually, this, this weekend's even worse. We have two weddings in two days, and my wife is in one of them. Wow. So I will be – I'll be able to watch the morning games pretty well, and then I will have to be watching or tracking some of the games at night. It's, long, it's not a big Ohio State game, so I'm good. <laughs> well, enjoy – Hopefully all the right people say I do, and it's just a good weekend for everyone. Oh, it'll be fun. All right, Matt, where can people find you on the interwebs? You can find me at WispyTheKid on Twitter, and you can find my writing during the season talking about college players on Rotoballer. And I'm StayFunLaCo. You can find me on Twitter at StayFunLaCo, and, of course, this podcast. Check out our podcast Twitter feed at rotoviz cfb show give us a follow interact with us let's have some fun we look forward to talking to you guys next week enjoy your football this weekend